The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Today on the show, we'll cover these topics. Animals. Expressions. Inventions. And we'll open up the mailbag. And some signs. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. We have, lurking in the background, these guys. Animals, 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 crazy animals. And to kick things off in this episode, here's my co-host, Roy. And hello to everybody out there, Florida. Florida is full of alligators. They're all over the place. But did you know that alligators can live up to 50 years? 50 years is a lot of birthdays. But you know what you get a female alligator for her birthday? No, I don't know what you get a female alligator for her birthday. A human skin purse. (laughs) (laughs) That'll teach them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the birds the birds are changing their tune. White-throated sparrows are changing their tune according to Ken Otter. He's a, actually, he's a biology professor at the University of Northern British Columbia. He said in an interview on the CBC that most bird species are slow to change their songs, preferring to stick with tried and true songs. But there's a change coming in the woods. So here's what he's talking about when it comes to the different types of bird songs. White-throated sparrows are like super patriotic. Their song is described as saying, oh my sweet Canada, 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 Canada. So it's like a three-syllable that's repeated at the end of the song. And that's like the the classic white-throated sparrow song. But all of our birds are are doing two notes repeating and they don't put a space between them so they sound like they're stuttering so they sound like they kind of go oh my sweet canna 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 canada what's his name nick ken otter oh i want to punch ken otter in the face 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 okay ants are very interesting so are uncles no i'm joking Little ants are very, very interesting animals. But did you know this, that ants do not breathe? In fact, they have no lungs. Okay? And then, on top of that, the most interesting fact of all is they never, ever sleep. Really? They don't breathe. They don't sleep. No, really, honestly, they never sleep. Ants are born, and till the day they die, they keep going. They never sleep. And, of course, because they're up all night, they buy all of those infomercial uh, products on the infomercials. 
Yeah, what happens when they get sick? They don't. I guess they don't need NyQuil. <laughs> no, they have DayQuil, Day and NyQuil. <laughs> seahorses. We we love seahorses. Seahorses are one of one of those uh, endeared animals. Uh, fish in the, in the sea. Are they fish? I don't know if they are, but they swim <laughs> upright. What was that? That was a Winnie. Oh, that was a loser. Um, <laughs> seahorses <laughs> swim upright, uh, not horizontally. They they have grasping tails, as we know, to grip seagrasses and corals. Unlike most fish, they lack tail and pelvic fins. Their eyes work independently, letting them look forward and backward at the same time, and they can change colors to camouflage themselves. So these seahorses are pretty quirky fish. Remember the actor Marty Feldman? Yes. His eyes worked independently. <laughs> You think that guy was Italian, Marty Feldman? Okay, here's a sweet story. <laughs> this is a very sweet story. Oh. Honeybees have been on Earth for 30 million years. Okay? Now, let's compare that to humans. Humans have been on this Earth for 6 million years. So they're on 30 million years, five times. The amount of time that they uh, that um, humans are on Earth, they were pretty happy when Kate we came around because before we came around, but who would they sting? I don't know, but somebody was eating all that honey too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> A major breakthrough in bovine linguistic research. Experts have confirmed that cows moo with accents distinct to their herd, according to the BBC. It works the same as with dogs. The closer a farmer's bond is, is with his animal, and I don't want to know how close his bond is, the easier it is for them to pick up his accent. So this major breakthrough in bovine linguistic research proves this. You know what, Nick? I, I, I'm kind of a little upset because every time you talk about bovines, I feel you're steering us in the direction that you want us to go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, 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 you know, I, I, it, maybe it's just an expression that I have. I don't know. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Or maybe you have a beef with me. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information <laughs> Podcast. I'm Nick. And we got a million of them. And I'm Roy. <laughs> so expressions. These are some of the words you might hear every day, maybe every once in a while. But we are here for you as we always have been all along on the Totally Useless Information Podcast, to explain... Speak for yourself. I just did. A bellhop. The word comes from the old-fashioned hotel practice of the desk clerk ringing a bell to summon the bellhop, who would presumably hop to work, carrying your baggage to your hotel room. Bellhop. You know, folks, where do you hear stuff like this? You just don't. Running amok, yeah. running amok, erratic, crazy behavior. Mm -hmm. What me and Nick have been known to be doing for the last, uh, what, 40, 50 years? 40-ish years, yes. In the 18th and 19th century, Captain Cook wrote about these melee tribesmen who would go crazy and run out on killing sprees, killing people in the town for no reason as though they were possessed. But they didn't call it possessed. They called it a mock. A-M-O-K. 
they were amok. So Captain Cook said they were running amok. And so erratic behavior comes becomes running amok. A blueprint. <laughs> what is a blueprint? You know what a blueprint is. You've seen blueprints. John Herschel was a chemist, astronomer, photographer. He developed the process for blueprints in 1842. He discovered a cyanotype, cyan like blue, color, processes after a series of experiments. The process starts by taking a drawn image on semi-transparent paper weighed down on top of a sheet of paper or cloth. It's pre-coated with a photosensitive chemicals. Once the drawing is exposed to light, the exposed parts of the drawing, the background, become blue, while the drawing lines blocked the coated paper from exposure remained white. And therefore, that's how blueprints were born. Wow. That was very interesting, by and large. By and large. Yes, I buy, large, I, buy, I buy large all the time. I've been known to eat a, you know, a burger or two. We're not talking about your, your food of the looms. <laughs> I'll tell you why I buy them large, but... But anyway, by and large, by and large, is a nautical term. A lot of these things were nautical terms. Mm -hmm. Large meaning sailing with the wind, which kind of makes sense because the sail became large. It got full of wind. So if you were sailing with the wind and your sails were full of wind, they'd say you're sailing large. And then if you went against the wind and your sails were empty, they'd say you're sailing by the by. So if you were to sail in any conditions at all, you would be sailing by and large. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I heard you. I heard you uh, discuss that very uh, expression because I was eavesdropping on your conversation. <laughs> eavesdropping. See, well, this is great. Eavesdrop started off literally. First, it referred to the water that fell down the eaves of a house. Then it came to mean the ground where the water fell. Eventually, an eavesdropper described someone who stood within the eavesdrop of a house to overhear a conversation inside. Eavesdropping. See how cool? I thought it was ease. I never knew it was eavesdropping. Eaves, yes. It's like Adam and Eves. Wow. I didn't even know that. Well, Nick, I don't appreciate you giving me the third degree. <laughs> <laughs> the third degree is thought to be a term that was used for the accomplishments of a Freemason becoming a Master Mason. In order to become a Master Mason, they had to go in degrees. They had a first degree test, a second degree test, and once you reached the third degree, you became a Master Mason. So, if you reach the third degree, you are a Master Mason. Fantastic. And before you reach the third degree, it wasn't free. Is that what you're saying? No. no. Freemasons. You know what? Like, like, like bricks were free? No, they weren't. <laughs> Something had to be invented first. Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents inventions thank you for joining us in season three episode three i'm nick and i'm roy can you believe nick it's season three i can't believe it i don't know it's like the first degree second degree first season second season this is the third season third degree and you know what else is cool too we're all folks thanks to you guys 
we are listened to all over the world. I'm talking about places like Africa, Australia, Canada, United States, Mexico, South America, Brazil. We're all over the place, and it's because of you. So we thank you. Thank you very much. And we get around just like, well, we used to in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're doing better now. <laughs> so um, we have, in Canada, we have different colored currency. You guys in the United States call it funny money. But mm, the green ink, monopoly. the green ink, now it's not monopoly money, but the green ink that you guys have in the United States was created by a Canadian by the name of Thomas Sterry Hunt in 1862. So even though the American money is American, the ink, the green ink, was invented by a Canadian. Really? Yes. Yeah, our money's starting to get there now. We're getting some color in it and all kinds of fancy little stuff and better pictures. Yeah. You know, you guys had some pretty decent pictures, except, you know, what was I think you had the Queen and some other stuff the last time I was up there. That's right. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Van Canal, Van Canal, K-A-N-N-E-L, hated the fact that men opened doors for women. He was a bit fanatical about it. He was actually loony about it. He thought it was totally disrespectful and hated the fact that they did. So he invented what he called the rotating storm door, which is actually a revolving door that you see on a lot of banks and stores and so on and so forth, the door that you revolve through. And, you know, you don't have to touch it or anything. And you don't have to. And he said he one of the main inspirations was he didn't want to open a door for a woman. Wow. When you've traveled, you've you've brought along some suitcase, right? Suitcases? Mm-hmm. Yes. Suitcases was a tag, a luggage tag. Yes. Well, yes. someone had to invent it, otherwise it wouldn't be around, right? Well, guess what? In order for you to uh, prevent losing a piece of luggage while flying, the luggage tag was an essential piece of, well, something you really needed as a suitcase itself. John Michael Lyons... He reduced the levels of travel anxiety with the first luggage tag in 1882 containing information about the point of departure, destination, and the owner. He's just upset because his family named him after a bathroom. Yes. John. <laughs> John Michael Lyons. 1882 is when the luggage tag first came around. Cool. Okay, we spoke about Canadian money. And so the original inventor of Monopoly, because <laughs> I am the king of Segway, yes. did it. The, the woman invented Monopoly, it was a woman, to protest the rich and the horrible landowners and business people. She was protesting, and that's what the original game was about. It was to make fun of them. She made $500 off of it. And then some guy stole the idea, patented it, and then her name actually was Elizabeth Maggie. Elizabeth Maggie. The idea was then sold to the Parker Brothers, Parker Brothers Games, Mm -hmm. and they made a fortune on it and bought lots of property and made lots of money. (laughs) So stick that in your hat, Liz. There you go. The problem was she had two first names. Yeah, I know. Her name was Elizabeth Maggie. Weird guy, scratch and sniff, raspberry scented jeans are made by 
clothing manufacturer Naked and Famous Denim. The Canadian brand boasts of using only raw denim manufactured at a traditional mill in Japan, so you can be assured of quality. With a weird guy jeans, raspberry perfume was coated all over the denim and then baked into them. The perfume contains millions upon millions of tiny micro-scent capsules that break when you scratch on the surface of the jeans, like a scratch and sniff, releasing the yummy raspberry fragrance. Naked and Famous claims that the scent can last up to five washes, and if you wash your jeans just once every three months, they'll stand on their own. No, if you... Wash, <laughs> Who the hell doesn't wash their jeans? Once every three months, just think of all the water and detergent you'll save. A pair of these um, raspberry-scented jeans are $165 or $224.50 Canadian. Okay, let me just... I, I'm all over this one. Okay, first off, yes. do Canadians not wash their jeans but for every three months? Uh, we barely have running water up here in Canada. <laughs> okay, okay. But then the most upsetting thing of all is the guy's a Canadian, he invents the jeans, and then he says so that we can get some good quality. We sent it off to Japan to be made because we can't make them here in Canada. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry I had to bring that up. I'm, I'm sorry. That's all right. I, That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Canada is a great place. I've been there. It's fantastic, guys. I don't want to uh, talk bad about the Canadians, but I think you guys can sew jeans or at least wash them. <laughs> I just want to say we have running water here in Canada for those of you who are wondering. Yes, you go down to the brook. But anyway, the inventor of the K-Cup coffee yeah. machine. Oh, okay. okay. I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about bras for a moment, but go on. No, no, no. The K-Cup is great. <laughs> a, B, C. Holy mackerel. <laughs> That's a large cup of coffee. The guy who invented the K-Cup coffee machine, his name was John Sylvan. Of course, you learn all these amazing things on this show. Mm -hmm. But he said he regretted making the machine because it's so wasteful and is non-recycling for the uh, coffee pucks that you put in the machine. He said all of this about being so sorry about the environment. He said all of this from his Beverly Hills mansion, sitting by his pool and, and then driving off in his Bentley. <laughs> but, but yes. by the way, though, the truth is he owns a solar panel factory now and has joined the ranks because he's so rich of the Triangan hippies. <laughs> Give me a break. This guy made a fortune. <laughs> oh, my God. He not only is sitting by his pool and driving off on a Bentley, he has someone bring the coffee to him. I know. What a joke. What a joke. Uh, you can reach us here at the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Really simply. If they have very long arms, they can. Yes. Or if you have short arms, you can send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Little alligator people with little arms. But go ahead. That lived for 50 years. Sarah from Collegeville, Pennsylvania writes, Dear Nick and Roy, I always look forward to your new episodes every Thursday. I have heard people use the phrase, being cherry-picked. It had me wondering, where did the expression cherry-picking come from? Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you very much for trusting us in getting you information that's totally useless. This is what we do here. 
Totally useless information. What a mistake. Thank you. God. Actually, I cherry-picked this email out of all the emails that we got. So what does it mean? <laughs> People who are hired to pluck cherries from trees are told to select the fruit carefully. They are instructed to pick only those that are ripe. The unripe ones are not to be touched. So if you're cherry-picked, you're going to pick only the best ones. And we picked your email, Sarah, because you're the best. From Collegeville, Pennsylvania, thank you for listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast. This is why people listen. They ask a question, they get it. Now we're getting a lot of emails, which is kind of cool, so we're really cherry-picking them. No joke. Max from Long Island, New York, says he and his wife love our show they love to listen together as they walk at night. Oh, how nice is that? It is. Max oh. and his loving woman that he calls wife. Oh. <laughs> Give us her name at least. But anyway, Max goes on to say his wife is a school teacher. Could you imagine all the kids coming in? Hello, Mrs. Wife. Okay. Max is also a volunteer firefighter out in Long Island, so... Max, I got one for you. The fire hydrant has saved millions and millions of lives. No one knows who invented it. Do you know why? Because it was patented. And although we have the patent number, the patent burned in a fire. <laughs> in the United States Patent Office. It burned. Wow. So we don't actually know who invented it, although we know it was patented. And that is a true story. So please, Max, keep up the good work and special thanks to cops and firefighters, especially with all that's going on. A real special yes. thanks to all of the first responders, police, firefighters, nurses, doctors, all of you. They've been, they've been starting to forget about you now, so we're not. That's right. You may sound like a cliche to others, but to us, you're not. You're near and dear to our hearts. And for that, we truly, truly thank you. As much as we joke around on this show, we do have a lot of respect for those who uh, run into burning buildings and saving our lives and protecting us. So thank you for all that you do. The services we're going to get, but thank you very much. But we appreciate when they actually put them out after the insurance claim. If you'd like to send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. What's in the mail? Let's rub two sticks together and create some science, shall we? Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. E equals nothing. It's science, science, science. If you're looking for a job, a new study has determined that we only need 110 people. So hurry, 110 people are needed to build a functioning and self-sustaining human colony on Mars. Hmm. That's all? 110. This study conducted by Professor Jean-Marc Salati of your favorite, Francis Bordeaux Institute of National Polytechnique. Hmm. It's the French. Mm -hmm. They found that this number, 110, the amount of humans, could be enough to create the tools and supplies needed to establish civilization on the red planet. Hmm. Now, you're thinking, okay, great, you'll get the job, you know what to pack. Like, what's the weather like? So, 
Right now, here on the Totally Useless Information Podcast, here now is the latest weather forecast on Mars. Sunny today with a high of 24 degrees Fahrenheit. Tonight, you might want to bring a sweater. A low of 127 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 127 degrees Fahrenheit. That's fun. So, if you're interested, contact Professor Jean-Marc Salati of Francis Bordeaux Institute of National Polytechnique. Especially once he thaws out. In another another episode, we spoke about the crap, crap, crap. Okay, we did, eh? Always speak a lot of crap, oh yeah. Oh boy. No, we spoke about the cracking sound a whip makes. And that is the tip of the whip actually breaking the sound barrier. And the noise that you hear is a mini sonic boom. Get ready for this one. That's in the air, but sound travels four times faster in water than it does in air. So if you were to crack a whip, it would break all laws because the sound barrier in water is four times faster. So what you're saying, sound travels faster underwater. That's what they say. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think water would be more resistance, but I guess the vibrations travel faster. That explains lots when I fart in the bathtub. <laughs> now I'm pissed. <laughs> Did, uh, is that don't what look- you Canadians call a jacuzzi? <laughs> yes, it is. We, 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 <laughs> we, make, we make a bowl of broccoli and some beans and sit in a bathtub and we call it the Canadian jacuzzi. Living the high life. <laughs> Hey, don't look now. Don't look behind you, but we have company. Scientists have said there may be dozens of alien civilizations lurking not too far from Mother Earth. Mm. Some of them may have been advanced enough to communicate with us. There are scientists at the University of Nottingham. They estimate that there is a minimum of 36 communicating intelligent alien civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. It's based on the assumption that intelligent life forms on other planets in a similar way of how it does here on Earth, using what they call astrobiological Copernican limit. Hmm. That's funny. That's how you get your jacuzzi to work. Astro (laughs) power. (laughs) It travels fast, according to you. Woo! Okay, I get in my bed, and my wife says... Who are you? No, I get in my bed and my wife says, (laughs) you're not that other guy. No, I get into bed and my wife says, it must be Thursday. (laughs) Oh, it's you. I get in bed and my wife says to me, how the hell do you fall asleep so quickly? It takes me a very long time. She says, I'm out in a few minutes. Well, guess what? That is the average time it takes most people, not my wife, but most people to fall asleep. It is seven minutes from the time you get into bed, put your head on that pillow, in seven minutes, most people will be asleep. What time did you fall asleep last night? Uh, I got in bed at 11 o'clock. I was out by 11.02, according to my wife. (laughs) No, no, I I think about 12 o'clock last night. Okay, so the reason why I ask is because people say, you know, I fell asleep at 11.02 last night. How do you know if you were asleep that it was 11.02? Exactly. You're lying. That's right. In bed. 
Um, if you are you standing or sitting? What are you doing? You're standing or sitting? I could see you. Are I'm you, actually are you... sitting because if I stood up, people would know I had no pants on. Your memory is affected by your body position, meaning that you remember things differently when you're standing up to when you're sitting. Really? So if you stand up, don't forget to sit down. Wow. See, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. This is why people listen, Nick. They get cool stuff. I, just one. Just one of the many reasons. We taught them today how to create their own jacuzzi. Okay. I have one of those weather center things that tells you the temperature, the humidity, and the rainfall. It also measures wind speed. So here's a useless tip. What is the device called that measures wind speed? What do they call it? Get a right. windometer. No, you'd think it was something like that, you know, but it's called an anemometer. A-N-E-M-O-meter. Not to be mistaken with the anal meter, which is what Nick uses to judge how well his jacuzzi's going. <laughs> Look at that. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. We will scour the internet far and wide for more useless information for next week. So in the meantime, you need to tell all your friends about the trend. And please share, 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 and subscribe. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>